Hello and welcome to The Lowdown, the monthly podcast which explores a wide range of global developments brought to you by the European Union of Jewish Students. We'll be talking with experts and decision makers in many fields, people who are on the front line of global development, listening to their stories of hope and their stories of struggle. Welcome to the fifth episode of The Lowdown. I'm your episode host, Emily Bowman. Coming up on today's episode, the future of Europe. As we celebrate Europe Day and mark exactly one year until the 2024 European parliamentary elections, we're joined by MEP Terry Reintke to discuss everything Europe, from the personal to the political. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome MEP Terry Reintke to the podcast. Welcome, Terry. It's a real pleasure to have you on. As well as being a longtime friend of EUJS's, MEP Reintke is a politician from the Greens Group of the European Parliament, of which she is co-president. She has been a German MEP since 2014 and is no stranger to youth organizations, as between 2011 and 2013, she was a spokesperson for the Federation of Young European Greens. Terry was previously co-president of the European Parliament's LGBTI intergroup and is a vocal voice in the EP on issues relating to LGBTQI rights, rule of law issues, and equality as a whole. Terry, thank you once again for joining the Lowdown to discuss the future of Europe. Now, if you could... Please take us back to the beginning. What was your journey to becoming an MEP and how did you get started? Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, you already gave the most important hint, I would say, because as you described, I was co-spokesperson of the Federation of Young European Greens. And during that time, we had a lot of discussions about the, the very negative consequences and implications that the financial crisis had, especially on young people. We had a youth unemployment that was skyrocketing in certain member states. And basically in all of this, the decisions were taken by people who did not come from this group. So we had very little young people who were part of the decision-making. And this then actually started a debate also amongst us in FYG. And I think there was a, a strong wish to have more youth voices in debates that were relating, for example, to social employment questions, but also overall all the political direction that Europe was going into. And against this backdrop, I decided to run for the European Parliament in 2014. And I can say it wasn't really something that I had really planned to do to become a politician and to to be a a member of a parliament. But now that I have been here for quite a while, I must say that it's a decision I definitely don't regret because I think I did manage to do some things that were quite useful for not only young people, but also others in the European Union. I have to agree. (laughs) Um, As a young person, I have to agree. I wonder if you could reflect a bit on the effect that your identity has on the politics that you lead. Well, you know, when I speak about what I'm fighting for in politics, I very often link the actual issues or policies with my own story, because I think we sometimes look upon that in a negative way. But at the end of the day, we all do politics also as the human beings that we are and with the stories that we have, with the perspectives, with the backgrounds. And yes, I think it shouldn't narrow our view on also other people's perspectives, but I think it should be reflected also in the stories that we tell. And for me, I have really made the experience that for the citizens, this is something that they really appreciate if you explain, you know, I myself in a binational lesbian relationship. And of course, this reflects on the possibilities that I have and on the questions that I ask myself. 
And when I then negotiate the recognition of parenthood file on a European level, which would mean that member states would have to recognize births or adoption certificates of same-sex parents, this can also, at the end of the day, have an impact for me. So it is something where I think there is a direct link. This is why I address it. And I also feel that having these perspectives is something that enriches politics, that enriches the way we take decisions. We still have a way to go to make our parliament, our parliaments and our debates even more diverse. But I think we have already come a long way. And this is something that I think we should we should acknowledge and celebrate. I mean, you are coming from an earnest place when you are advocating for issues that you care for. They come from a place of caring and also they're personal, as you said. So people can relate to that. Thank you. Thank you for that answer. And, you know, as the feminist movement used to say, the private is political. So there is not, you know, this very clear line between this is something that should only be dealt with in politics and this is something that is only and exclusively your your personal life. So I think always seeing the overlaps that you have and the links that you have is something that is actually, as I said, enriching politics and political debates. And it brings politics closer to the people also, dare I say. So as mentioned, you have been an MEP since 2014. And so as we near 10 years since the beginning of your first mandate, please feel free to toot your own horn a little bit and to highlight perhaps what your greatest achievements have been thus far from your perspective. Well, you know, as politicians, we never fight alone. So <laughs> I think taking the credit, you know, you you always have to also highlight the, the many people that have worked for these successes to be possible. And maybe one of the things that I'm very proud of, or I'm very happy about that I could be part of it was the negotiation of the posting of workers directive. I know this sounds very technical, but it's really an important piece of legislation to stand up to exploitation of workers. And this is something that is very close to my heart. And obviously without the trade unions really mobilizing for this, without many people who have put a lot of work into to making it possible, we wouldn't have been able to pull this off. But I think when we finalized this file, this law, I realized that, you know, sometimes I felt that politics is something that takes very long and that also gets lost sometimes. But there. I had something very concrete that I knew as a parliamentarian I had had positive influence on and I managed to make with that indirectly the lives of many millions of people in the European Union better. And this is something that I continue to, to be very proud of. As you should. I think it's a major achievement. And also exploitation, I think, is also a topic that is close to young people. Because, for example, I know that there are initiatives to ban unpaid internships. That's also perhaps falls under this category. The struggle continues, the internships. But now we have the debate on platform workers, which is very often a new form of, you know, bogus self-employment or at least restricted labor rights. So for me, the question of justice in societies is very often link, linked to the to the question of how well people are protected in working arrangements. And we certainly still have a long way to go to make sure that all workers have fair wages, but also good working conditions and that they're not being exploited. I wish you continued success on this journey. And since I already asked this previous question, may I ask if do you have any hints about whether you will running for a third term in the parliament? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I have actually just recently announced that, that I'm going to run again. So yes, may ask. And it's also something that, you know, when I ran for the first time, if you had told me that I would run for a third mandate, I probably would have said, oh, that's very unlikely to happen. But as I said, I have never regretted the decision to run in the first place. And I also have the feeling that as a parliamentarian, understanding how things work here, being well-networked in the parliament is also something that obviously you need to build. And my work as an MEP, I think, has become even more impactful as I have become more experienced. I'm not saying that to oppose that also you need renewal, renewal in politics and democracy. So I'm certainly not planning on doing this job for the rest of my life. But I think for now, I still have a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and there is still so many things to do. So yes, I'm going to run again. And then as you look towards this upcoming election that you will be taking part in, I'd like to ask you what most excites you and what most worries you about the upcoming elections? Well, maybe I start with the thing that most worries me because that is something that I think should worry basically all Democrats. And that is that we see in the past months and years a shift to the right. We have more and more sometimes center-right, far-right governments in the European Union. And this, I think, is very dangerous, not only for the European project, but also for democracy, fundamental rights, rule of law as a whole. I mean, we obviously have the cases with Poland and Hungary, where we already have two governments that are very systematically trying to undermine rule of law and fundamental rights. Now we have a government in Italy that already shows that they are going to, to follow on that path. And we have a situation in Sweden where the conservative government was supported by, by a fascist party, basically. So to me, this is something that worries me a lot and where I think all Democrats have to work together to stand up to this threat because we know European history. And I mean, I say this as a German, I think a lot of people just really underestimated the far right, especially conservatives and liberals. They thought, okay, we can keep these people in check. We can cooperate with them. Uh, and then they couldn't. And we know that the consequence of this was the most horrible atrocities ever committed in human history. So to me, it is really about now standing up for democracy, for fundamental rights. And I think the European elections next year are going to be an important moment for that, also to work together as, as Democrats. And then maybe to say what excites me the most or what I'm most looking forward to while we see these worrying political trends, I think we also see still in countries like, for example, Poland, Hungary, but also across Europe and across the world, very powerful, very mobilized movement of people that are standing up to this. And this, I think, is something that always motivates me to continue to give all my energy to, to fight for a better world and for better societies. I mean, when I see women fighting for the right to sexual self-determination in Poland, when I see LGBTI people that are being attacked, really creative and powerful ways they find to stand up to this, this always gives, gives me energy. And I hope that the election campaign in 2024 can also be a moment where we see a lot of this, where Europeans are going to stand up for their democracies and, and really bring this as a message also to the people that will then be members of the European Parliament. 
And hopefully we can also see good turnout in, amongst young people, either running for elected positions or voting. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we had an increase of, of turnout in the last European elections, and my aim is to make it even higher, and especially amongst young people, and maybe also groups in society that maybe do not have the highest turnout rates usually. So I think also really trying to reach people that maybe sometimes feel a little bit more distanced from from at least institutionalized politics is definitely a target that I have for the next European elections. And then perhaps somewhat connected to this, on the lowdown, we like to finish each episode by asking our guests the same question at the end. How can Jewish students become more active with regards to engaging with the EU and the European Parliament in particular? Well, I think that obviously UJS is a very important vehicle for that, to have Thank very, you. very strong young Jewish voices in the European debate. And I also think that civil society organizations of all forms are a great platform, political movements. But, and maybe I can say that as somebody who was for a very long time skeptical about that, I think it also makes sense to engage with parties, maybe, you know, going to party events, thinking about even joining a party, because very often that is then the possibility also to, to run for yourself. Because as you rightfully said, said, I don't only want a high turnout among, amongst young voters, but I would also really like to have new young MEPs elected to the European Parliament. And, you know, a young person, a young Jewish person amongst the then elected MEPs would be fantastic news. So I hope that uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe motivating some people to think about that as I was motivated about 10 years ago might be worthwhile. You never know. Maybe somebody listening to this podcast will feel the motivation to do just that. You never know. And become, uh, and become my colleague after 2024. That would be great. <laughs> Amazing. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Terry. You've certainly made some important, some important points for us to reflect on and to take home and to ponder a bit about. And it wouldn't be a podcast without some quick fire questions to finish up. I'm going to give you two options. And without thinking, you have to choose one of the two options. I promise I won't get you in trouble. I hope they'll get harder each time, <laughs> but I hope it'll be fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. First one, beach holiday or city break? City break. You have to be quicker. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, city break. I like that. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Milk chocolate. Animals or humans? Humans. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Parliament or commission? Parliament. Brussels or Strasbourg? Oh my God, definitely Brussels. <laughs> Those are some hard feelings. Boris Johnson or Rishi Sunak? Oh my God, that's a tough one. But I think uh, anything better than Boris Johnson, so Rishi Sunak, yes. <laughs> and last but not least, President von der Leyen or President Mazzola? Mm, that's an even trickier one. Um, maybe I answer diplomatically and say an interesting competition between two female politicians is something that uh, I can enjoy also. That was very diplomatic. That is very diplomatic. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll take it. Thank you for participating and for being a, 
good sport in this. It's been amazing to have you on, and we thank you so much for taking the time to answer the questions that we had prepared for you. And we hope to continue this wonderful relationship that we have, EUJS, with you. And we hope to see more young people elected in the European Parliament in the next years, like you said. Thank you. Absolutely. Great, great. Keep going. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in. That was The Lowdown, brought to you by the European Union of Jewish Students. Why not get in touch and drop us a message? You can find us on our social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to The Lowdown on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We look forward to welcoming you back next month. Thank you.